<laughs> you just told me about uh, 30 seconds ago. Now, you're, you better be ready because there's no music. It's just time to go. Amen. And so we, and again, just such a blessing to be here this week with you. We had such a great time at our um, married retreat, even though it was here. Amen. And uh, had a good time. I hope that y'all are all better friends to each other now, that y'all are getting along. Everything's going well. Amen. And if not, I, I can't do anything else about it. Amen. But uh, I hope that uh, I hope it was a great weekend for you. Turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 21. Can I move this over? Is this okay? Is that okay to move down? Okay. Leviticus chapter 21. I know what you're thinking. Leviticus. But every word of God is pure. Amen. And uh, all scripture is for us, although not all scripture is written directly to us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so tonight we're going to have a fun time talking about the book of Leviticus. And, uh, and so let's look, uh, let's begin here in verse number 16 of Leviticus chapter 21. Leviticus 21, verse number 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. And then he gives a description of all the different blemishes. Remember, every word of God is pure. Amen? There's a reason. A blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed or crook-backed or a dwarf or he that hath a blemish in his eye or be scurvy. I always think about a pirate there. Ah, scurvy. Or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. So he can still eat of the bread. He's still a priest. Only he shall not come in unto the veil, nor come nigh unto the altar, because he hath a blemish, that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel. The priesthood of the believer is one of the distinctives that we believe as Baptists. Amen? And it, I believe it's a very important New Testament doctrine. You don't hear much about it, though, these days, I feel. And I wonder, do we really know what it means? Do we know what it actually is? As you know, in the Old Testament, there was only a select group of men who were chosen to offer sacrifices as Levitical priests in accordance with the law. And we know that these priests were prophetic shadows of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his one sacrifice for sin would bring the need for a Levitical priesthood to the end. Amen. But what the New Testament teaches is that because of Christ's sacrifice, he has now made all of us who have called upon the name of the Lord for salvation part of a new priesthood, a spiritual, not physical, priesthood. And that's what we refer to as the priesthood of all believers, or the priesthood of the believer. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is meant to be fun tonight. Amen. So humor me a little bit and smile and act like you're glad to see me. Amen. First Peter chapter two and verse number nine, it says, but ye, 
are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now, isn't that interesting? A royal priesthood. Remember that. And holy nation, a peculiar people. I always thought, no problem there. We got that one down. Because we are, if we're not anything, we're peculiar. Amen. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, we couple that with the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse number 5. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5. It says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Have you been washed by the sin? Washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and cleansed you of your sin. All right, then watch who you are. And it's made us. Kings and priests, a royal priesthood. Unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And then again, back in First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. I cannot overemphasize. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So as New Testament priests... We are offering up to God acceptable spiritual sacrifices. That's what we do. That's why we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Well, the veil has been torn. And so this idea of of what God did for us, making us a priest, now that we know that we are part of that royal priesthood, that spiritual priesthood, we can go back to books like Leviticus and and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And normally we we have our Bible reading plan and we want to try to get through those as quickly as possible. And perhaps we think, why in the world are we reading this? But now it's got new life. Because we see the the, the physical reality of the Old Testament is a great picture of of the spiritual reality that the believer gets to experience. This spiritual priesthood. So think about this. It's spiritual, not physical. And so Paul, along with Peter, giving us some more information, keeps us on course than how we can properly apply this idea of a priesthood to our life. The New Testament teaches us this, that we are priests because in the New Testament, I'm not only the temple of the Holy Ghost to offer spiritual sacrifices inside my body. I have the holiest place in the inner sanctum of my heart. And I am a priest that oversees those sacrifices to God and goes in and communes with God and feasts at the table of, of showbread. And, and, and we have the, the, the labor that were washed by the washing of the water of God's word. All of these things. I am a temple and, and a priest and the sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice, not a dead one. So I'm the temple. I'm the priest. And the sacrifice all in one. And so are you. Wow. So over here in Leviticus chapter 21, in, in, in meditating on this idea of the spiritual priesthood, God presents a list. And, and what struck me to this, of physical blemishes that prevented a potential priest in the Old Testament from offering the bread of God. Now keep in mind one more time, that these physical blemishes uh, that were certainly binding upon the Old Testament priesthood are, are simply what I believe, and we can find them in the New Testament, spiritual blemishes that limit our ability to function 
as a New Testament spiritual proof. Look over in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 27. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number, well, let's look up at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. There's that great picture of the labor there. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but watch this, but that it should be holy and without what? Blemish. Now, isn't that something? So you see, we're just not making this up. Amen. The Lord allows us to see these great pictures, these word connections that, by the way, are not found in modern version. That will teach us this great truth. So when our our spiritual priesthood is blemished by the things that we're going to talk about here tonight, it hinders our effectiveness to communicate the bread of God, which man shall not live by bread alone, but by Every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. It, it prevents our effectiveness to deliver the word of God. That's how important this is. And to be able to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that the Lord says as a spiritual priesthood we are required to do. So let's, uh, let's briefly examine some of these blemishes that are pictured here in Leviticus 21. So let's go back to Leviticus 21 and, of course, put, put a ribbon there. And uh, we'll be all over the place in the New Testament tonight because they're all defined for us. So what hinders us? What gives us those spiritual blemishes? Well, let's look at it. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, verse number 17 of Leviticus 21. Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. And I want you to notice... Blindness. Now, yes, I am a doctor, and so I must tell you what blindness means. It means you can't see. I needed my doctorate for that use. Not a medical doctor, obviously. I'm very uh, a theological doctor, but that's another story. Amen. That's it, <laughs> Doctor Jill. Uh, blindness. You can't see. So obviously, physical blindness would prevent an Old Testament priest from being able to offer up the sacrifices as God had specifically prescribed, because he can't see. <laughs> Amen? Right? Well, well, there are several things in the New Testament that, that tell us that hinder our sight and our walk with the Lord. Now, I want you to look at some things. Go to first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. First of all, we understand that, that a blind man, spiritually speaking, is, is one who is, is not adding to his faith the seven things that God specifically intended for our spiritual growth and development. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 5, and, give, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But watch this. But he that lacketh these things is blind. 
and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know what makes a New Testament priest today blind is when he does not believe that he needs to grow spiritually, that he doesn't need to add to his faith. Someone who is not spiritually mature cannot see things the way God intended him to see in this life. And then I want you to notice another thing. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 and verse number 9. We're just letting the Word of God speak. Isn't it wonderful how the, how the Bible can define these terms for us? It says here, He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You know what makes us spiritually blind? When we we hate our brother. Listen, we are all the sons of God that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all part of the same spiritual family. I mean, there should be no strifes or divisions with the people of God. And when we allow that to take place, we we become blind spiritually. We, We cannot offer the word of God to the world with a proper testimony like the word of God deserves. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look into the, to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil was done away in Christ, refusing to learn practical truth from the Word of God, brings spiritual blindness to a Christian. So we can have the the blemish of blindness in our Christian wall. What's next? Go over to Leviticus chapter 21, our second one. We have a blind man and then a lame man. He shall not approach a blind man or a lame. Lameness. And that doesn't mean you're not cool. Amen. But obviously, if blindness is somebody who can't see, lameness is what? Somebody who can't walk. Somebody who can't walk. That's a great picture again of New Testament priests who who because of spiritual blemishes in their life are no longer, the Bible refers to the Christian life as a walk. And they're not walking in obedience to the word of God in their life and they're no longer walking in the spirit. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. It's just, this is so fun to me. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse number 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love this. There are too many believers today that have certain things in their life, certain sin in their life that they keep trying to combat, that they can never overcome. But that's not how you do it. The Bible says, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. 
temperance is, I, I believe the scripture teaches that temperance there in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 is when you temper your spirit with the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within you. And you humble yourself and submit yourself to the authority of the Spirit of God that you have access to. And so we find here that walking, go look down in verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. But if we live in the Spirit, watch this, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know this? The Christian has two natures which are contrary one to the other. The Holy Ghost desires what the flesh despises. And the flesh desires what the Spirit despises. And the Holy Spirit uh, bears fruit in those who are walking in submission to His authority. Now we are in the flesh geographically. That's still true. But we are not in the flesh spiritually speaking. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse number 17. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Notice, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And so, if we say that we live in the spirit, then we ought to act like it. Isn't that a concept? And so that spiritual lameness is what we're talking about. Go back to Leviticus 21, trying to move along. Leviticus 21, we have a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose. Now I know y'all thought of that when you started looking around, amen? <laughs> a flat nose. You know what Leviticus is talking about? Flat nose Old Testament priests would not be able to smell if blindness is not being able to see, lameness not being able to walk, you with me? Context, flat nose would be those that aren't able to smell properly. What do they need to smell? Well, the Bible says that the priesthood offered incense on the golden altar. And the Bible tells us for the New Testament what that incense from the Old Testament pictures. Look over in, in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Look at verse number 8. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8. It says this, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are, so we know what this pictures, the prayers of saints. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You think about incense, you think about the smoke, where does it automatically go? Up. You think that's a great picture of our prayer life. And notice in, in chapter 8 and verse number 3. Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there is given unto him much incense that he should offer it up, uh, offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. See how the, see how the priesthood is opening up for us? From the Old Testament, we can learn this great truth and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. We need more proof. Okay, how about Psalm uh, 141 2? Psalm 141 2. 
Psalm 141, 2. The Bible says, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> Pretty clear. And, and, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know what I believe here? A flat-nosed New Testament priest is a believer who fails to talk to God in prayer. He can really, really make his, his walk with God ineffective. His ability to communicate the word of God, right? When he's doing no talking to the Lord. He wants God to share with him, but he refuses to share with God. Man, you think about what prayer does. The Bible says for the New Testament priests, prayer, we, we, we have freedom from fear. We have strength for our soul. We have wisdom and understanding. We have deliverance from harm. We have rewards. We have good gifts. We have the fullness of joy. We have peace. All that comes from prayer. And there's so many believers that think they've got all the answers that do not commune with God. Oh, that's a New Testament priest that's got a flat nose. Man, we were, uh, Katie and I, uh, many years ago, we were at the old house and, and we were, uh, have a garage there and we had cats at the time and, and, uh, we had this big old bag full of cat food. And, uh, so every night, uh, we would, uh, you know, kind of draw straws or, Rock, paper, scissors, to who goes out and feeds the cat. I would always lose, so I stopped doing that. But we went out there, and, and, and I was ready to feed the cat. I had this big old bag. And, and when I went over there to it, I felt some heat emanating from the bag. I thought that was kind of weird. So then I began to kind of move it to kind of pick it up, and it was a lot heavier than what I remembered. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. And then here my cats are, so I know it's not my cats. So then I just kind of kicked it over. And this nasty possum tail comes flowing out. And I wasn't quite sure what that was at first. So I opened up and there's just the, the back end of a nasty possum. So after Katie went in there and cleaned that all up and got rid of the possum and <laughs> those cats were able to eat. Amen. <laughs> I, I forgot where I was going with that, but I had a really good point about being flat nosed. It's gone. So what hinders us from being <laughs> a New Testament priest like we should? We have blindness, we have lameness, flat nose, and then I want you to look at this one. This is so funny. Anything superfluous. Anything superfluous. Well, what is something that is superfluous? Right? Somebody else said, I thought it was superfluous. A, a superfluous body part is something that is there that doesn't belong, that's not supposed to be there. Part that has no feeling, no place, no function, and it simply interferes with the service that is offered by the by the priest. So a growth that hinders a priest that doesn't belong there. <laughs> it's interesting, over there in Leviticus chapter 22, animals could also have something on their bodies that was superfluous. So how do we relate that? Well, the Bible tells us. New Testament priest is one who has allowed things in his life that doesn't belong, that, that has no purpose in being there except just to hinder. Oh, look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look at verse number 21.
says this, Wherefore, lay apart, separate yourself from all filthiness, and look at this, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Cut out the stuff that doesn't belong. Graft in the things that do. Isn't that good? The word of God. So there are going to be some things in our life that come between us and learning God's word that really hinders our work as a New Testament priest. Everybody with me so far? All right. So what do we have next? Well, let's look at it. Leviticus 21. Oh, a blind man or lame. We know what that is. He that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous. What's next? Or a man that is broken footed or broken handed. Well, I wish I had a modern version so that I could understand what those difficult words mean. <laughs> right? A broken hand or a broken foot. In the Old Testament, obviously a priest with a broken foot would not be able to properly keep his balance, walk or run while serving in the temple, performing his job. An Old Testament priest with a broken hand obviously would not be able to hold the tools that he needs in order to perform his duty as a priest, a knife or a, or a censer or the bread or the, or the sacrifices. So a New Testament priest, let's look over and, oh, there's so many things we look at. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you have ever had a broken foot? Anybody? Oh, wow. Wow. Anybody over here? Oh, a few of you. Anybody over here? Man, every section has a broken foot. Wow, what are y'all doing? Oh, the snow. The ice. I get it. Yeah. How many of you have ever broken a toe? Anybody? How many of you wish you had broken your foot instead of your toe? It's amazing, isn't it? When one part hinders you, man, it affects everything. I had an old ankle injury many years ago playing softball. And just recently, is uh, I've done CrossFit for years, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, man, that ankle starts swelling up like a softball, and, and I'm hobbling around like this early in the morning, you know. And uh, it's an amazing thing how one thing can affect every single part of life. Man, I think about in in, uh, in CrossFit, there's an exercise called pistols. Anybody do pistols? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? So a pistol, obviously, is when you put one foot out and then you go down and squat. I'm not going to do it just in case I rip my pants. And, uh, okay, I can't really do it right now. And then the other, or the other side. So it's all, it's amazing. I always had a strong, uh, right ankle because it was never injured, but the left one was. And so I come down to the right one. No problem. Go all the way down. The left one, I'm like, you know, it affects you. What about in the New Testament? Ephesians chapter five and verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Go over to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, look at this, fall, fall, 
from your own steadfastness. And then one more. Let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So fun. Some of the, the exercises that we used to do, we would, we would have to run and we'd run with a, with a 20 pound or a, or a 28 pound, uh, uh, a medicine ball and we would run like this. Well, it's, you're lopsided. So eventually you start having trouble keeping that straight line. There were times we had to do what's called a farmer's carry where you'd pick up these, these huge weights. There were times where we'd have the, the 45 pound weights that you'd have to hold like this trying to walk. Those weights hold you down and prevent you from walking the way you should walk, running the way that you should run. Isn't that something? So that broken foot. What about a broken hand? The Bible says that there's some things we're supposed to be able to hold on to in the New Testament. Can't do it with a broken hand. The Bible says over there, first of all, in, in 2 Timothy 1.13, that we're to hold fast the form of sound words. Bible says that in Titus 1 9 that we're supposed to hold fast the faithful word. Hebrews 10 23 says that we're to hold fast the profession of our faith. See how it all goes together? It's an amazing thing. You know, people who, who question and doubt their salvation all the time are normally the people that are not in the Word of God. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. And so you look at this broken hand or broken foot. We understand that a New Testament priest with a broken foot is unable to walk in the way the Lord wants him to walk. That there's, there's things that are preventing him. That he's holding things that he shouldn't be holding. And then with a broken hand, there are things, right, that he's supposed to hold that he can't hold. Wow. It's all right there in the text. What hinders us? Well, we have blindness, lameness, flat nose. Anything uh, superfluous, <laughs> a broken hand or foot. Look back at verse number 20. I'm just going to label verse number 20 as deformities. Amen. Look what we have here. Crookback. Amen. The crookback of Notre Dame. Oh, the hunchback. Amen. Dwarf. Dwarf is somebody that has a, a short stature. From a genetic or medical condition. He's not able to grow normally. Everybody with me? A blemish in the eye. That's defined in the text as like a white speck in the pupil. This is kind of gross, but hey, it's Sunday night, amen? Scurvy and scabbed. Um, these are wounds. Scurvy would be dry. Scabbed would be wet. So what, what do we find here? What are, what are all these deformities? Well, they're all defined for us in the Scripture. Notice Crookback. Go to Philippians chapter 2. What makes child of God crooked? Crookback. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 15.
that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. A New Testament priest who's crooked back, somebody just acts like the world acts. Can't let his light shine because he's too much like the world that's dark. How about uh, dwarfism? Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love, we may what? Grow up. (laughs) We're supposed to be growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be maturing to be more conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that neat? We're to grow. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 7? Look at verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We've got to be able to see clearly in order to cleanse ourselves daily through the Word of God. And then finally, look at 1 Peter chapter 6. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse number 14. Remember scurvy and scabbed? Let's just call them wounds on the skin. Everybody with me? Hey, look at verse uh, number 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. That thou keep this commandment, how? Without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to live without spot. Listen, there are going to be people that will accuse us, but the difference is they're not right. Let's not give them reason. Let's live a, a holy life. Holy is to put a difference between clean and clean. It doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless for the rest of your life, but there's going to be a marked difference in the way that you live and the world lives. Isn't that good? So what hinders us from being a disciple? We got one more. We got all these deformities. We got blindness. We got lameness. We got flat nose. We got anything superfluous. Broken hand or foot, deformities. And then look at verse number 20. Crook back or a dwarf or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy or scab, or hath his stones broken. This is such a nice way, such a proper way for our King James Bible to tell us that an Old Testament priest was not going to be able to minister in the temple, in the priesthood, if he was not able to physically reproduce. Oh, that's so important. What is that a picture of for the New Testament? Do you realize we have a responsibility to spiritually reproduce? Isn't that what discipleship is? Notice, go to go to Second Peter. This is so good. Second Peter, chapter one. We've been called to share the gospel with the world. We have also been called to make disciples. 
Bible says in verse number 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be what? Barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know this better than most churches do. That discipleship is the process of reproducing our relationship with Jesus Christ into another disciple. That's what that is. And the natural result then is to make growing disciples who are making other disciples. Spiritual reproduction. Isn't that wonderful? We have been commissioned by God to lead people to Christ by preaching the gospel. Then we are called to lead new believers to become followers and learners of Christ by teaching them the word of God. We are to establish them in what? In worship, in the scriptures, in the local church, in ministry. That's what we're called to do. That is the work of the Lord, isn't it? And if we're not doing the work of the Lord, then then we are not. We are not fulfilling our role as a spiritual priest here in this New Testament age. I know what you're thinking. Maybe I don't know what you're thinking. (laughs) Maybe you find yourself blemished in one of these areas. Maybe you find yourself with 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 spiritual blindness or lameness or a broken foot or a broken hand or some sort of spiritual deformity, something superfluous in your life. You say, what can I do? To overcome it. Oh, I love this. Go to Matthew chapter 15. We might find ourselves blemished today. Every one of us in some way. But here is such good news. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 30. You see, Jesus during his earthly ministry has proven that he has the power to fix all of these blemishes. Look at what it says there in Matthew 15, 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And look at what he did. He healed them. Isn't that good? All of those were cast at his feet and he was able to heal every one of them. You feel like today, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to disciple someone else. I'm not worthy to be the kind of example that the Lord wants me to be. Watch this. Fall at the feet of Jesus today. Humble yourself before his power. And I'll tell you what, you know what he'll do? Spiritually speaking, he'll heal you of those blemishes. He'll help you. Amen. He'll allow you to be all the New Testament priests that he's called us to be. Isn't that wonderful? And then, you know what we get to do? Well, what the crowds did at that time. Give Jesus glory for any success that we ever see in the Christian life. Because we know none of it is from us, but it's all from Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of your spiritual priesthood. Thank you, Lord, for these things that we can learn way back here in the book of Leviticus. Thank you for allowing us to be able to uh, uh, use them in the Christian life appropriately, scripturally.